This episode of the Backside Ground Balls podcast is presented by The Performance Academy. For all of your athletic training needs, train with purpose at The Performance Academy. TPA houses a number of training resources from private baseball and softball instruction to team sports performance classes. Utilize advanced technologies like output sports, hit tracks, and TrackMan to take your game to the next level. On top of our elite staff and advanced technological capabilities, be a part of the TPA family and take advantage of the many resources our facility has to offer. Want to go to a game? How about a concert? How about going to see classical music? Whatever you're into, there's only one place to get your tickets. Thankfully, we are partnered with SeatGeek, the essential resource for live events. For any of your ticket needs, make sure you go over to SeatGeek.com and use the code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. Again, that is SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. We are super excited to announce that we are now partnering with Routine Baseball. For all of your clothing needs, athleisure, the sickest baseball gear you can get. We're talking hoodies, shorts, sweatpants, sunglasses, hats, any baseball style you can imagine. Routine Baseball has it, and we are now partnered with them. All you got to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball. That's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. It's routine.com backslash backside ground ball and check out all the different options they have you will receive 10 percent off your order today one more time routine.com backslash backside ground ball and get 10 percent off your order today welcome back to the backside ground balls podcast where dan and i are coming to you in person at gardner webb university in boiling springs north carolina we got a jam-packed day that's going to uh, have a facility tour for us. But first, we're joined by assistant coach of the Running Bulldogs, Anthony Marks. Coach Marks, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys having me. And uh, I feel like I'm a pretty good candidate for the backside ground balls because that's all I did. So, <laughs> yeah. Works perfect for me, too. Appreciate well, you guys having me. Fired up to do this, though, yeah. Of course, of course. Well, I mean, that, that's my first question for you is obviously uh, that Cinderella run, I guess if you could call it, you guys were a two-seed heading up to, to Raleigh to, to face NC State. Um, but talk a little bit about that run. Obviously, most baseball fans, fans of college baseball, uh, remember that run, obviously, with your team. I mean, what was it like? I mean, very, it, very rarely do you get to say I was a national champion. Um, especially at a school like Coastal Carolina. So how was that? It's, it was crazy surreal, honestly. I mean, it's tough to put into words. And it is the Cinderella story, but for us and, and kind of what helped us make that run was we didn't feel like a Cinderella. We felt like we truly belonged um, and were one of the better teams in the country that year. Um, even kind of felt like we should have been hosting where we were the two seed at, at NC State, but felt like we had a good enough resume to host um, a regional and – Kind of always. I mean, every everybody, everybody on that team, all those older guys, like we all had that chip on our shoulder, and just that kind of added motivation to, I mean, have the chip a little bit bigger, you know. So, um, the run was crazy. I feel like every round something crazier happened that just kind of helped build some confidence. But, I mean, NC State backs against the wall and winner go home. Season over. Top of the ninth, we're down by two runs. I get on, Pies gets on, we bunt over second and third. Remy gets a single, infield single, so his base is loaded, one out. Starts coming down, pissing on us, rain. They're out, I'm just called a game. 
So we had to go back to the hotel um, and come back the next day to finish. So we're two outs away from our season being over, and we go back to the hotel, and the hotel gave our rooms away. So now we got to go to another hotel. So we're up till probably two in the morning, and the whole time, knowing that like, hey, we're two outs away from, especially all the seniors, our season being done, never playing college baseball again, and just in the hotel, still cracking jokes. The confidence that we had, everyone was making jokes that GK was going to hit a grand slam, and like we were. That confidence, you could kind of tell. And we got to the field the next day at 10 a.m. and scored four runs and ended up winning and then paired up with LSU and the juggernaut there. And no one gave us a chance. And go in there and take two at the box, which I think was the coolest experience of my life. And then take down Florida first, who was the number one team in the country. Like, it just – every step of the way kept like, ah, oh, they have no chance. They have no chance. And it's like we, we believe that we did, though, and I think – that group of guys is very special. Um, we actually were just texting the other day with Coach Gilmore going through some health stuff. He just reached out to all of us, so we stay in touch with those guys. And, and it was the craziest thing in my life. And I said, I'm blessed blessed to say it, but that I am a national champion, but I really don't think of that too much. I'm just blessed that I got to play with those guys and play for that for those coaches because without those guys and, and them guiding me, it's probably that's why I want to do what I'm doing right now and why I'm in the business I am because how much they changed my life and – I want to change other people's lives too. So, but crazy, crazy experience for sure. Do you ever draw back on some of those lessons? Like, you know, that that experience of I, I would kill to have been in that hotel room at two a.m. <laughs> just because, like, the wildness of the the whole setting, and then you know, like you said, going on the road to LSU, which is notoriously one of the hardest places to play in college baseball, and you take two there and upset them. Do you ever, even in coaching or just? in life in general, draw back on any of those experiences that have helped you kind of moving forward now, or is it just kind of a memory of, wow, I did that? Uh, I think that's a good question. I, honestly, really, so far, really, it's just been a memory, like, just to think back on. Because I also don't want to be the coaches kind of using, again, using those experiences, like, hey, look at me, look what we did. Because, again, I think every year and every group of guys you get is different. And, and that just worked for our team that year, you know. And, I, and now, again, we'll use some things or – when that happened, we won. We were in the Big South. So, like, telling these guys, hey, we're in the Big South. We can do it. I know we can do it because I've been there, done that. Like, more like, hey, if you believe you can do it. But I have never really reflected and done some of that as coaching points, which it's interesting. I never thought about that. Um, maybe it might sneak and been there because <laughs> there are some good life lessons and stuff. But just looking back as memories is so cool for me, and I love. Do, do you ever wear the the ring around the around the boys? I have. I haven't. Um, I've had. We've had some. We've had some guys like ask to see it, and, and I'll I'll bring it in and, and show them and stuff. But you're never just like flashing it around the facility. No, nah, like, I don't. No, I don't. I don't. I uh, I keep it actually. It's at my house down here and down the road, so I should have brought it up. But no, nah, it's no, nah, not for those guys. Because again, I think that. As cool as that was, like, we didn't do that for the for the memorabilia. We didn't do it to be, like, all the one that – we just love being around each other, and that's right. really, I think, what helped take us to the next level. And we, we truly embodied, embraced the, the coaching cliche, man, do it for the man next to you. And, and it is coaching cliche, but, man, when you believe and do that stuff, it's crazy what happens. Yeah. And when you're not – when you're doing it for the right reasons, where also to try not to be like, hey, look at, look at me, look at me. I was never kind of that guy where it's like – I want our group and our guys, and we have a good group. We did this this fall. It's like, and I want them to make their own memories and us win our own ring this year yep. and mm -hmm. be able to flaunt that thing around yep. together. You know what I mean? I think that's the next kind of step with 
what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah, and, and it's it, the the big thing for lessons too from that run is is when you think about team building, right, and culture building. We, we spent fifty five to an hour talking with Coach Chester about culture and and how important that is. The biggest thing when you go on runs like this, and I'm sure you can attest to this, like how that group handles adversity, how you look each other and you're just fighting for the man next to you and it's past the bat and it's selfless, just know your role and things like that. Do you carry that into the offense that you guys have here at Gardner-Webb? Like those lessons of like, hey, it's not necessarily about going three for three every day or hitting a bomb when you need to. Like it's about doing what's necessary to win a ball game for the guy next to you or giving the guy behind you an opportunity to have success as well. Oh, yeah, for what we do at Gardner-Webb's offense? You're saying, yeah, I mean, that's really how our offense is based and how our recruiting model, when I talk to guys that we're trying to recruit as position players, right? Hey, I'm not the hitting guru. We're not coming in here to change you. I'm not coming in to make someone you're not. Coming into, we think you're a good player already. Our job is to get you to play your best version of you in whatever that role is. Again, everyone, we want everyone to have a different role on the team. We want... I mean, at Coastal, that's kind of how we did it. Everyone played to their strengths. Again, I was backside ground ball singles, <laughs> trying to swipe a bag, dirt ball reads, and I yeah. knew that was my and, – and it might have been, hey, if I'm leading off the game, like I might have to try and get to two strikes and battle here a little bit so that the guys behind me could see more pitches, right? Like it's just embracing that role where we recruit, we do the same thing. We got some guys that are fast, leadoff guys, hey, see pitches, hit a single. Then we do. We have some guys that are – Got on our lineup at Gardner that got some juice. Where it's, hey, we'll take a strike out here or there because you, you got a chance to leave the yard. And I think how we embrace and embody that too is throughout the fall. And again, we got the board over there. We do a lot of and the things that we track in the fall when we enter squad is not your batting average, not not any of that. So it's it is what is your quality of bat percentage? What is your barrel percentage? What's your situational hitting percentage? So we track with a man on second base, no outs. How many times you get that job done when you move him to third? With a man on third and less than two outs, how many times did you score that runner? Right? Because I think that's a piece to our guys should know and the team should know who's doing it well and who's not doing it well, who's embracing those roles. And I think when you get that buy-in and you can do some of that stuff and you you buy into that, I mean, it, the sky's the limit for an offense. I think that's the piece for us if we're gonna if we're gonna be very successful again. We're call a spade a spade we're not LSU we don't have Dylan Cruz and some of those guys in the lineup like we got to be able to win three four different ways if the wind's blowing in we need to be able to bunt and steal second and hit singles right if the wind's blowing out yeah maybe we can hit some long balls right it's just we got to be able to win in multiple facets and I think when we recruit we try and recruit a bunch of different players to embody that too yeah real quick you hear that high schoolers it's not about how many hits you get on a weekend it's about how many quality at bats and how good you are at situational hitting but i know dan you got to follow up here i just wanted to get that out there <laughs> yeah and I, I think you know you talk about building a dynamic offense right yeah. and like that's exactly. that's really what you know almost every offense at least in my opinion should be striving to do right it's being dynamic yes it's okay to have guys in your lineup that strike out but can leave the yard if you also have the guys who can set the table and do other things you talk about some of those numbers that you're tracking in the fall. How do you generate that buy-in from your offense of, okay, I, I'm not just staring at my batting. I, like, I am 0 for 15 in this fall. Because I think we know that you could be 0 for 15 to start the fall or even start the season, but you have eight missiles that yeah. just have found out. Like, you're yeah. not in a bad way. But mentally, you know, it's hard for guys because, you know, everybody is, I think, a little bit prenaturally, you know, results oh, driven. Everybody, right? Yeah, like it's yeah, like everybody. you you want those numbers. So how do you kind of cultivate that culture with your guys? And I think that comes from 
trying to be tough on them, but also show them some love. And I think the example of that, because again, no matter who you are in baseball, right? Batting average is the devil. You're looking at it though, right? And yep. and and no matter if you're hitting it hard, but you're over, man. You're like, man, I can't can't buy one. We're example as last year. I mean, we had two of our better hitters. We just kind of go to one, Kurt Robson, who was our best player. He's actually on staff now here at Gardner Webb, and. Man, opening weekend in the first midweek, and we played four against Ryder and then A&T. He, was, he didn't have a hit the first five games, right? And he was our best player. When he goes, we go. And, again, just some of the things I was doing to him was just shoot him a text after the midweek and say, hey, good things happen to good people. You're okay. You know what I mean? Like, you're okay. You, you're doing everything right. We, you don't need to go into the lab and fix your swing and, and do all. Hey, good things happen to good people, man. Like, I love you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. kind of almost be there for him because again, everyone's human. You're you're gonna get you're gonna get wrapped in that number and that and three zeros there where it's like, we kind of hey pat him on the butt. Hey, we love you. We're still here for you. We still believe in you. And try and give him that confidence when the number doesn't look good. But it's also too, I think, those guys and we can do that where he was the hardest worker on the team. The guys knew he was a leader, so like when we're still sticking with him, the other guys on the bench are like, oh, why is he playing when he's hitting zero? Like, he's the he's still the dude. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, I think some of that also gets worked out by work ethic and the guys know who the guys are and who they're not. And so I think that's a piece too. Hey, you got to put your ego aside when I think I'm better than this guy or that guy. But, I mean, without saying too much, it's like, hey, man, you're a good person. You work your tail off. Good things happen to good people. We love you're going to be all right. You know what I mean? Because that is the toughest thing. I mean, yeah. everyone wants to go three for four, but you and you're not. I mean, it's it's not. And the funny thing is, is too, is for go back to Kurt. Ended up being not sure if he was first team, but he was at least second team. He was back to back all conference. He had three fifty. Mm-hmm. You had and you. I was like Curry. Right. If you sprinkle in a couple hits the first weekend, you're almost an all American. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's it, you just just keep being a good person. And don't change yeah. yourself. You know what I mean? Water always finds its level. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because you you talk about that with hitters and and you know we want guys and I'm sure you'd agree with this we want guys to be goal oriented right oh, yeah. but every time you sit down with a kid and, and you talk about their goals it's like well all conference all region all American I want to hit 400 I want to yeah. hit five bombs whatever it is and you're just like when you get caught up when you have that 0 for 20 to start and your goal is to hit 400 you're starting to calculate in your head you're well I got to hit 415 the rest of the way oh I'm yeah 400 oh yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah I'm gonna be all conference go two for oh, four yeah, yeah. yeah right <laughs> this guy to go 0 for four I can yeah. catch him up yeah. oh no oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and how do you balance that mental side of getting guys to work towards their goals and be motivated to be better but also not get caught up in that number at the end of the day where they could go 0 for 4 but in your book on the quality at bat sheet they could be 4 for 4 quite frankly that could be a really good day in in your sheet how do you balance those two I think again a lot of open communication where I'll meet with these guys a lot and and just kind of sit them down and I'll ask them their goals because it's good to see because again even in the recruiting process right when we recruit guys we want them to be like, hey, I want to be a pro player. Yeah, we want you to be. We want you to want to be a pro player. We don't want to get kids here that are just complacent to play Division One baseball. Man, you got to have aspirations to get above here. So, like, I think that's when we're in the recruiting process. We ask that, and then we get them here. It's like, hey, all right, now we want you. We know you want to be a pro, but they, like, what are your goals for this year? And I think hearing them out, and then kind of almost being a voice of reason too, where it's like, yeah, man, like, if their goals are a little bit like that, hey, hey. Let's do a solid and, and let's meet in the middle where where I'll talk to some guys where again, hey, we got a couple leadoff guys that run six fours. 
their goals, and they've told me this, and I think it's great. They want to have two to one walk to strikeout ratio. Man, that's a great goal for you to have, right? Don't worry about your average. Don't worry about it. like I want to walk two more times than I strike out. I think that's great. And then a guy who has some home run capabilities, like I want to have as many extra base hits as I do strikeouts, right? right. If you're gonna strike out close to 40, 50 times, like we need you to have 35, 40 extra base hits. You know what I mean? Like I think looking at some of that stuff instead of because I think then the all-conference numbers and some of those things shake out mm-hmm. if you can control what you control. And, play, and again, be the player that's going to make our team go go as well, you know? But I think it's it's, it's good to hear those guys say they want to be All-American stuff. Yeah, it is, but it's sometimes, all right, now, but how can you get there? How how can you become an All-American? All right, you're, yeah, for you to be an All-American, you need to play the best center field. You need to probably even walk three times more than you strike out. You need to Every time you get on, we need to steal. And instead of putting a a number on stolen bases, is we tell guys we want it, we want you to steal it at eighty percent success rate. We want you to go all the time, and I don't want to put a number on your bases, but like let's steal it at eighty percent clip. That means, man, when you're running all the time, you're also safe a lot right. of the time too. You know, instead of putting some numbers on it, almost put the percentage and the ratio a little bit. But when you're trying to again create this buy-in and 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 kind of set that culture how important do you think it is for the offensive guys to kind of know where they stand with you and and you know within the lineup I think it's very important and again you could see on the if you on the board over here we're like it's huge up here and in the bottom ones um the bottom numbers there it's the top three and, and sometimes it's the worst three I'll change it up week to week these are the top three guys who are the top three quality of bat percentages so far this part of the fall. These are the top three barrel percentages. These are the top three situational, um, or these are the top three hardest average exit velocities. Or, hey, these are the bottom three quality of bat percentages. These are the bottom three barrel percentages. And, it, and I tell the guys before we start, if your name's on here is one of the bottom three, it's not to embarrass you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. But I also, sometimes you need to know where you stand, too. Right. Yep. So when you're not in the lineup, you can't be like, Coach, I don't get it. Well, I... I, and everyone else knows too where well, you're bottom three and everything that we put up here. Yep. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but hey, maybe it might be. Oh, my name's on here for bottom three in all three of these categories. When everyone leaves here and we're done hitting, I'm going to stay up here for Keep an going. extra hour. You know what yep. I mean? I might need to. You know what I mean? So I think having uh, again, we know where we are. We know what information is important to us and what we're collecting, and then. Giving some of that, not every, not all of it, but giving it to these guys in like, hey, spurts of who's 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 doing really good, who's not doing so good, so they have an idea where they stand. And then next week we meet, um, end of the fall meeting, some of that stuff. And and for offensively, and I know the um, pitchers doing the same thing. We're, we got 19 hitters, and it'll say this is what your quality of bat percentage was, and then next to it. You, you're either one of 19, and you're 19 and 19. I mean, those are the numbers that man sometimes are hard to swallow. Yep. But also, again, help us make a decision so that not everybody who's not in the starting lineup is not knocking on Coach Chester's door about why they're not playing because the numbers are the numbers. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think that's a piece, too, where helps a lot of those non-playing time meetings because we're being transparent as a coaching staff. Definitely. And, and you talked about quality at-bats, barrel percentage, and situational hitting success percentage. And one of the things that I always found all, uh, uh, interesting about building an offense is you become what you're intentional about, right? And and I've seen that a lot of times with, you know, we tracked a lot of swing decisions. Um, and I was trying to figure out when we were going through the season of, is th- was this successful? Did we see what we needed to see? 
within two weeks of the season, um, I noticed right away, I was like, we might not be great hitting right now. You know, it's cold, it's early in the season, things like that are factors in it, but we sure as heck are making good swing decisions. How does that go into how you practice, plan, build an offense, and have an identity as an offense of being intentional about quality at bats, barrel percentage, and then situational hitting percentage? Uh, I mean, I think that's great. And the swing decision stuff, I mean, that's huge. But it's, it's a huge factor because, again, if we want guys to buy into it, means we need to do it a lot. That means we need to do it a lot and being, like you said, be intentional with it. And every day some of the stuff will change, but um, there'll be some times where if I'm throwing in the far cage or uh, Coach James, um, Coach Marshall's throwing in the, the far cage, it might just be rounds. Hey, today's rounds are all situational, right? It's just every – you're not just getting in here and swinging to swing. Every swing means something, and then – Sometimes that can get monotonous and you don't put a punishment to it, but then there's days that's like, hey, you earn, right? You earn your free swings, right? So you have to hit a man on second, move them three times. And again, to get the guys to, to kind of hold each other accountable to, I hate being the judge, right? But we know a man on second base, man, we're kind of going probably from about the left of the shortstop's ear to the right field line, man, right? I mean, and move the guy to third base, right? If you roll ball through the six hole and you hit it kind of hard, I don't – yeah, you might have got it done. That's not what – it's not what we're trying to accomplish. It's not the purpose. It's not the purpose. And I don't want to be the bad guy and tell you no. I want your teammates to tell you no. And, and there will be some times where we do that, and then if you don't get the job done, your round's over. Mm-hmm. Your round's over, right? And you come up and you got to go again. And if you do – it's usually three, three, and three – and you get all nine right away, yeah, the last seven minutes of that round, we might do 12-minute rounds, the last seven minutes of that round, yeah, man, you're taking OO hacks, hammering it off the batter's eye. But until you get the team rounds done, you don't earn free swings yet. So, like, it goes into a lot of what we do. Um, again, we very rarely do we just come in here and just, hey, do whatever you want and bang, you know what I mean? Like, we'll do, we'll do a bunch of two-plate breaking ball stuff. Like you said, hey, which – which breaking ball should we be hammering, and which one should we be, should we be laying off? Where does this pitch need to start? Um, do a lot of machine work on the field where it's saying two machines, hey, two strikes. Because, again, two strikes is important to us, right? If you're not a strikeout guy, we need you to battle and fight and spoil a pitch. So we'll do a lot of two-strike work with the breaking ball on the big, and we literally can just put the fastball right in front of it and just let them compete. You know what I mean? I think – so we, it's a lot of a lot of the stuff we do team wise offensively is is geared around what we think is important and how it's going to make us good. You know, you mentioned all these things and the competing with it, and Trevor mentioned swing decisions. Every time we have an offensive guy on, I love to ask this question: How much? Because I think, you know, just from being in a, in a dugout and seeing younger guys and as they progressed, how much do you guys talk about approach at the plate? And when you're talking about, okay, we need to move a runner, what's the approach in being able to be successful in moving a runner from second? Or what's the approach in being successful in a two-strike account? How often are you guys talking about approach and kind of, you know, everybody having a plan when they get in the box? So we talk about approach a good bit early in the fall. And then – I kind of do this twofold um, to where once we start inter-squatting, I try not to talk as much about it. And I want, again, I'll meet with the guys once a week. I want them to talk to me about their approach. Because then it's because some guys have an idea and a plan. Because I also don't want to just be like, hey, this is the one approach that what one fit, one shoe fits all approach. Some guys have different different styles. And then there's some guys that are like, 
I don't know, coach. Yeah. Then, yeah, we need to talk about approach more. You know what I mean? Some guy, yeah, some guys will ask, like, hey, what were you thinking with a man on second base and no outs? Like, what did you think you were getting here from, again, what kind of pitcher was on the mound? He's like, I have, I don't know, coach. It's like, you know, some guys never talked about it. Right. So we'll talk about it early, and then I'll kind of get away from it because I want them to talk to me about their approach. And then we finish the fall talking about approach a lot more. Because, again, I think pitchers are kind of creatures of habit and routine, too, and, and percentages and all that stuff. And it's and a lot of guys didn't know, too, and it's funny because, again, during inter-squad, I let them guys play, man, be free, yep. be, be you. But there's a couple times I'm standing at third, I'm like, man, like either no one's paying attention or there is no approach here because Coach Hardy's going – First pitch fastball, mm-hmm. and then to the next guy, first pitch break ball. Then first pitch fastball, and first it's like, man, no one's watching the tendencies of what's happening here. And now when we get into the spring, that's really almost all we'll talk about. And when we, we when we do scouting reports, it's a lot of percentages. And hey, this is what high, like this is what we should be looking for in these counts and, and in these situations. You know, what I mean, I think it's huge, and you can execute those. It's huge. But I, again, I, you talk early, then I let them be free. And kind of see who has a feel and who yep. doesn't. Because yeah. some dudes do have a feel, and, and I get it. My, Which I love, too, is Coastal didn't change me. And I'm looking for something hard because I'm a little guy that's not getting any break. They don't want to walk me. Right. I'm looking for a fastball, and I'm going to hit the other way. We're, yeah, man, the, we got Alec Burns, who's high, got hurt last year. We had 15 home runs two years ago. Yeah, man, they're probably not coming at you right away with heaters. I mean, go ahead and sit something soft because what they want you to do is chase the breaking ball right. down or roll it over. But maybe if you sit on it and you hammer at the backside, then you earn some fastballs later. You know what yeah. I mean? Everyone's is different. Mm-hmm. But if guys don't, and guys might have it, but if guys don't, it's it's funny here the guys who don't. They're like, I don't know, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, C-ball, hip-ball, I'm which is good there. for yeah. some guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah, they're like, I, I don't know, Coach. Can you tell me? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's, it's funny you brought up the, the tendencies, and that was something that, you know, we tracked by paper through games. And, I always say, I mean, for lack of a better term, apologize to Tommy and Dan over here. Pitching co- coaches are stupid, right? Just as I'm sure hitting coaches are stupid as well. We, but but pitching we coaches are on that. They're, yeah. creatures. <laughs> yeah. they're creatures of habit. And yeah. once you pick up on, hey, like there's a really good program that was our biggest rival. It was like when they got behind, they were 99% fastballs, and we started selling out on them. And it was like 12 runs, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like yeah. bang, it's, yeah, like, <laughs> and they're gonna keep doing it, yeah, because yeah. that's what works for yeah. them. That's mm-hmm. that's their model, you know. Yeah, right. I think, and that's a piece to where we we will. And we have we do the same thing. We have the tendency chart in ours, but it's I, I the best one when our team's really going good is when those guys are starting to talk in the dugout about how they're getting pitched. Everyone's around again. Who maybe there's a freshman, and honestly, I did the tendency chart at Coastal my freshman year, yeah. and I truly believe it made me a better hitter. Oh, one hundred percent. Because coming from Pittsburgh high school baseball, right. there ain't no, it, it, <laughs> yeah, there's no approach. No right. one talks about none of that. It's like I don't even know what pitch that was. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I did, the, and it made me a better hitter because I was like, oh man, dude, you again, man. Every time someone got to second base. The first pitch was a breaking ball. Yeah. You know, and it was like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. when the guys start talking about that stuff, I'm like, oh, we're in a good spot. These guys are getting it. It's clicking. Yeah, that's when you know you found something. Yeah. And, and what, what I find interesting is, obviously, you've mentioned a couple times, you know, your success as a player. You know, you played professionally, obviously, hit at the top of a national championship lineup. How do you balance the ability? Like me, I always tell everybody, like, in my mind, I think I stunk at baseball, right? So it was easy to be, you know, walk in, open mind, be humble, understand when, you know, our three-hitter swings through our 76-mile-per-hour slop fastball that, like, <laughs> 
Yeah, that's going to happen, right? Yeah, How yeah. do you balance the two of obviously knowing what worked for you, but understanding that that might not work for your four hitter and not building an offense that's centered around what worked for you, which obviously worked at a really high level, but might not work for 19 guys? Because of the way the coaching staff handled it at Coastal, really. I mean, again, they what worked for me, they let me be me, and it, it didn't work for the two hitter. It didn't work for the three hitter. It didn't work for the four hitter, the five hitter. And again, I tell you, I wasn't that good. I just got lucky. I played with a lot of good players on that team, and yeah. them guys were studs. And I just didn't want to mess up because I knew if I just got the first base, one of them guys was hitting home run. I, when we wanted a two-run jack instead of a one-run jack, and I think it makes it easy for me to do that because those guys let me be myself and play my game, and I got to see how it allowed me to play free, loose, and fast while also letting the rest of the team do what was going to help us win baseball games. And I try and do that the same with our guys. It's like, hey, man, like – and also, too, like players – like, again, when I'll talk about Burns a little bit. I mean, he walks – if he walks through the door, you'd be like – Maybe a pro hitter. He looks like it. When I walk through the door, it's not a pro hitter. You know what I mean? So it's like, obviously, what you do and what we do are two different things. Yeah. But still, again, I think that's the best thing for me too. And as a coach, knowing that like I'm not a, I wasn't wasn't that great. I'm not perfect, and I need to be open minded too because I need to find out what works for this guy because I wasn't that type of hitter. So how do I become a hitting coach that can? Prove that I can work with the big power hitter too, even though I wasn't one. You know what I mean? I'm still learning in some of those areas too. What were some of the, you know, what are some of the biggest things that you've had to evolve in um, from, you know, starting out at Barton to now here at Gardner Webb with Coach Chester? What are some of the things that you feel like you've had to evolve in as far as whether it's putting a plan together, what you believe in offensively, or even just kind of, you know, coaching the guys? What do you think's the biggest change you've made since then? Uh, no, I mean, well, Coach Chester's. Obviously, I owe a lot to Coach, man. Just the leash he gave me. Because, again, I think putting plans together and having some of that stuff, I didn't know. And the first day, again, Coach, too, when I kind of got to Gardner-Webb and took over as the offensive guy and the hitting guy, like, the first day. And, like, Coach is like, what are we doing today? And I'm like, whatever you want, Coach. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 you're in charge now. And I'm like, oh, shoot. All right, yeah, I didn't even really think about it because I've never had to do it. So, like, and him giving me the freedom to – make practice plans, mess up in practice plans, see what works for guys, see what doesn't has been huge. And then also, too, I think the biggest one, one of the biggest ones is, like, making sure that we're holding, like, holding everyone to the same accountability while letting guys be them. You know what I mean? I think it's like, man, it's that fine line of old school, new school. I mean, my coach was really tough on us. And, and you can be tough on certain guys, knowing which guys you can be tough on, knowing which guys you can't. While still trying to make sure that everyone feels like they're getting, no one's getting played favoritism. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And then, and it's tough to do that, you know? Because again, I know when I was playing at Coastal and stuff, yeah, the coach likes the better players. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. whoever coaches LeBron probably likes LeBron. They got the best <laughs> player in the league. You know what I mean? So it's tough to, to find that balance too. It's like, how can I make the number 19 hitter on the roster feel like the number one hit, one hitter on the roster? And I'm still trying to make ways and find ways to be better, but I think that's a piece. That I've been working to get better at because it's again it's always easy to love the best player. Yeah. How can you love the guy, number nineteen on the on the roster for offense is just as important as number one. How can you love them all the same? Yep. And, and coach them all the same. You know.
Yeah, and it's it's just about treating them as a human being, right? Yeah, if you yeah. were number nineteen on that roster, how would you want your coach yeah. to treat you? It wouldn't be ignoring, just toss you a, a tee and a, a couple of balls and say, "Hey, go warm up and hit." Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be in the cage with you because I got three, four, five to get ready to play. No, yeah. you got to treat one through nineteen exactly the same. And you talked about building a practice plan, and obviously that's something that comes with being a hitting coach. Yeah. And, you know, we're sitting here in, in the in beautiful indoor facility that we're going to get to walk around once we're done here. But a lot of machines, a lot of different things going on. How do you create a challenging environment for your hitters to make sure they're prepared once we step on the field? And, you know, in the Big South, as of 2023, you had to, to Campbell. They got dudes. They got big leaguers, you know, a oh, yeah. ton of dudes across the, the oh, board yeah. and across the Big South. How do you get guys prepared to face that level of velo and face that level of stuff and still buy in in the practice setting? Um, well, because a lot of the practice setting, practice setting and the things that we do is all challenge or, like you said, all challenge or situational stuff, man. It's Again, I get there needs to be some feel-good stuff, and every once in a while we'll do some pregame BP where I will throw or someone else will throw, but, man, it's a lot more machine work because we tell the guys all the time, yeah, man, my arm from the left field, I had a squirt gun, right? And, and, my, and, and it's like you're a Division one hitter when I'm throwing batting practice. I've gotten all right at it to where it's like, yeah, this thing's middle cut. You should be able to hit it hard. Yeah. But when this thing's throwing at you and then that thing's throwing at you, how, like, how can you – and, again, how can you handle the failure of it too? Because mm-hmm. we tell our guys, and I think there's a piece to it too of staying competitive is – Everyone hates the machine because it's frustrating. So is the game. Yeah. Try and tell these guys, too. There are going to be some days where I turn the machine down a little bit, right? And, hey, today the machine isn't as hard. You get around to six. Yeah, we'd like to be on the barrel three out of six times, right? right? Hey, man, today the machine, it, it is a bastard. It <laughs> is running and it's doing its thing. If you can dare, if you can barrel it up one to two times out of six, right? it's like going mm-hmm. one for three. Yep. Yeah, You know what I mean? If you barrel up two out of six times, that's like going one for three in a game. And this is what we're going to see in a game. Trying to get them to realize that. You know what I mean? Like, hey, this machine's challenging for a reason, but it's not challenging because as a coach is behind the turtle, we want to see you bang all six. Right. How do you d- deal with the failures, too? Because there's the guys who will go two for six and they'll throw their helmet. Yeah. First of all, go pick your helmet up. And second of all, <laughs> come here and let's talk about why you're pissed. That's a good round. You know what I mean? So we, we challenge through machine work, but also try and let them know machine work where it's like it's not gonna be you're not gonna hit all six of them mm-hmm. now again when i'm throwing batting practice hey you need to bang five out of six of these mm-hmm. yep. it's one very no variables you know what i mean you know what you're getting where in the breaking ball and some of that stuff yeah hey we're not gonna be as hard on you with barrel percentages do you, do you guys roll it out before games roll out the machine yeah uh or we, we will yeah we'll hit so what we'll usually do, and again, sometimes on the road it's tough right. um, just because of uh, where you're at, cage right. and yep. some of that yep. stuff. But, yeah, what we'll do is we'll, we'll have this up here for early work, and we'll have a velo, and then, again, whoever we're facing that day, we'll emulate his breaking ball. Right. And we'll see it for two rounds, and then we'll get on the field, and it'll be a lot of just arm. But, yeah, before we – before we get out on the field, our early work and warm-up routine will be some T-work, short bat, heavy ball stuff, and then it'll be fastball and whatever breaking ball we're seeing that day. Um, and then when we go on the road, if there is a cage that's close, we will do one root, or, yeah, group hitting on the field arm, and then we'll do the breaking ball. Because nice. I, I think it's important to see the shape that we're going to no see. Doubt. You know what I mean? Again, when you start talking about – some of the juggernauts in our league, and, and I mean, we get to go to Texas Tech this year. Like, it's probably good to see some of that shape. And again, guys might not like it, but 
you need to train your eyes to see some firm breaking ball or firm spin before you get in there. So the first pitch, you, so when you get a first pitch banger, it's not the first breaking ball you've seen today. You know what I mean? And obviously it doesn't work perfect, but we 90% of the time we're seeing something out of a machine because I think it's huge for our guys. You, know, you, yeah, you, you need that. to. Yeah. Right. And, I got, and the more we do it, and we've been doing it a lot, the more the guys buy into oh, yeah, it. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, it's easy. It's easy, especially now it's seeing how much the older guys like hitting it. Yeah. When you when they come in in their first, second year, they're like, man, the machine again, this sucks. It's you know what I mean? Up. And now yeah. they're junior and senior year, they're like, yeah, like, I really just only want to hit the machine. Yeah. You know, because they know that's the only thing that's getting them better and getting them ready for practice, like, for a game, mm-hmm. in a game setting. Well, and it just makes so much sense because as we've seen from the pitching side, just the rise of, of guys kind of dominating that upper quadrant in the strike zone with their fastball and then pairing the breaking ball off of it. That's what these things do better that's, than like you're not going to see anyone backspin a baseball better than than the machine. No, exactly. Like, right? like yeah. you want to learn how to get on top of that that kid that's 92 at the top of the zone mm-hmm. backspinning it. Like get in here and get on this cage and try and find a way to get on top of it. Yeah. Right? And I mean we talk about it all the time where it's like just being able to emulate that, especially that fastball because we've seen oh. it right. Like just in the last couple of years, how much guys are just peppering that upper mm-hmm. quadrant of the zone. Mm-hmm. Like they're just going to backspin it and so you hit it right. Yeah, yeah make an adjustment to right. it. Right. I would say this too. Um, this is the first year we've done it actually, and it's allowed us to challenge in here a little bit more with these breaking balls. If you guys want to check them out, if you have or not, we went and bought a bunch of the Marv training machine balls. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have used them or familiar with them. I wasn't, and this is our first year using them. First of all, on the fastball, man, that thing takes off. It's a rocket ship. It, it takes <laughs> off, and it's like. I love hearing like the young guys or the guys sit behind. They're like, man, dude, things rising. It's like, yeah, man, like what the. That's what pitchers are trying to do to the baseball yep. now, though. And really, it's not rising. It's just holding plane. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, that's really what it is. Yep. And then, again, with the breaking ball stuff, too, it's sharper. because it's. But what it has allowed us to do is make the fastball firmer, make the breaking ball firmer, because if it hits them or if they get jammed or they fall off their foot, it They're doesn't fine. hurt. Yeah, right. we're like, that's where I had to battle before. was like, man, we really want to challenge these guys. But, man, if this dude, if our best player takes a foul ball off his toe, Man, we're, like, we're screwed. You know what yeah. I mean? Where yep. now we got hit these Marv balls, and it's like they get jammed or fisted, and it's fu- it's all good. They've been such a game changer and have allowed us to actually challenge even more on the breaking ball machines. Like, I was thinking we, we're probably going to get a bunch more of those bad boys for <laughs> sure. We need them. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, again, the, the best selling point to, to guys when I'd work for them was like, how many times do you swing and miss in BP? It's like, well, if you're playing every day, probably never. Yeah, like, I yeah, hope. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but how how often do you swing and miss in practice? Like, how often do you swing and miss in the game? Compared, like, we need to make those almost equal, right? Yeah. Like, if you're in practice and you're barreling everything, it's not hard enough. And you know, getting guys to buy in because I think guys see the results. Like you talk about older guys being bought in on it. Like guys, after a while, start to see how slow the game moves, right? It's like you know, you guys had Mason Miller in here, and it's like I'm sure in the fall he was throwing. Free and BBs in the into the plate, and guys were probably late getting beat, and then you start training off a machine every day, and then that ninety-seven to a hundred starts to look a little easier to hit, and it's not make it doesn't make it perfect, right? You're never yeah. going to make perfect contact on a guy like Mason, but no, you just hope um, once you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> once every ten, you yeah, do maybe, yeah, but yeah. at least slowing it down to make it competitive, right? 100%. And that's kind of the goal, right? And that's and I think it's funny I haven't really said that yet because you took. We, we say that a bunch. Tell it to even our outfielders. Tell it to our base runners. And everything we do, we talk about slow the game down, man. Slow it down, right? Like, 
So it's, it's great there you say it, but yeah, that's that's why we do this stuff. It's slow it down, right? Let, man, you, I try and tell our guys too, and it's tough. Maybe in some regular season MLB games, but man, like watch the ML, watch the, the playoffs in the MLB, like the World Series, the divisional rounds, like. Like, watch those guys get in a box and just see how slow they are, see yep. how methodical they are. And, like, like because we do now a lot of video, too, and, like, man, you are like a spaz in there. Man, slow down so you can slow the game down and slow the baseball down. And, um, yeah, I think doing that stuff, like you said, doing the machine work a lot, and, and we'll do every once in a while, too. We'll try and stand in on bullpen so they see it more. Anything we can help to try and slow the game down, we try and do because it's – it's huge, and a lot of the, the – it's good seeing some of those freshmen the first couple times come in here and speed themselves up and, and think they have to – got to crush it. Yep. i got to be on perfect time. Or, like, in the infield or in the outfield, like, they, like oh, they're bobbling the ball because they're trying to be too fast. Man, you got to let the game come to you sometimes and, and let your athleticism play. You know what I mean? But slow it down. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, perfectly said. How do you – find the balance because you know my thought process here is is there's just there's so much anxiety in performing right like you got to go in there and like the pressure that you know especially 18 to 23 year olds they put on themselves to to go out there and perform and be the guy so now you add in you know all these great methods and then you know you're talking about video and you know you guys have yakker tech and, Mm -hmm. and all this stuff how do you then balance like dude you gotta like just relax take a step away like stop stop worrying so much it's not like you can't just keep get like you don't need a hundred more swings off the hat yeah. you don't need to continue to grind video how do you kind of balance that because it's great to have that stuff those tools are amazing but sometimes there can be a little too much right 100 i mean i was a player with two or like sometimes i needed to i mean like i need to get away for a second like i i need i'm like because again i think when you overthink and you overconsume yourself in it you're almost doing damage like you said it can be too much it's great resources to have but when you are using it as like I'm struggling, I'm gonna just work, do more and do more and do more. You're almost hurting yourself because now you're gonna nitpick everything. Where we know this game is failure, you're gonna fail. So sometimes you need to step back. And I think, I think a lot of that too. It's tough to say because every every kid's a little different. But for the guys that, like, hey man, like maybe maybe you just need to like not hit today, or like not take extra swings, or, or maybe stay off the video. Is like. Again, like I kind of, you try and sit down and be open minded and talk to us. Like, hey, we we brought you in here because you're a really good player, right? Right. We brought you in here because you're a really good player. Now you need to go home for a second, play a video game, hang out with your girlfriend, get your mind off the game, stop thinking about it for a second, come back here tomorrow, play loose, free, and fast, and be the good player that we recruited you to be, and not, not trying to say like, not like yeah. I gotta do better, I gotta do more, I gotta do more, I gotta do more. No. You need to do less because you are a good player and you're hurting yourself by doing too much. You know what I mean? I think, but I think it's tough to say that because I, I mean, besides almost just trying to be open with them and like, hey, take the day off. Some kids are still gonna do. Just wired. They're way. just wired that they're way, wired and you go, way. and it's yep. and it's the fine line, and you want guys wired that way mm-hmm. though, right? Like you want the guy yep. that wants to be in here and get an extra lift and get a hundred swings in. You don't want him to hurt himself either by doing too much, you know. So it's that's that fine line of I rather have all of our guys come in here and want to be that that way, and then me just have to come up here and like, hey man, take today off, right? Because again, you you don't want to be the kid that coach is always like, hey, go up and get extra swings, go up and get extra swings. I rather have all the guys that are getting extra swings, getting all the extra video, and then I have to be like, hey, take the foot off the gas for one day, 
Right. You know what I mean? Right. I think we right. all want those That's kind of one. kids. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You'd rather be that guy. Yeah, you want you want those guys in your program. Like, hey man, we love the work ethic, but you you could use one day. Yeah. You know, you can use one day. You're going crazy. You're going you're going to make yourself crazy in a game of failure. You really are. Now, and, and definitely 19 guys that, that are pulling on that side of the rope but wanting to work hard, that's mm -hmm. usually what good offenses are built on. Uh, obviously, we got still tour of the facility, so I yeah. want to be respectful of your time as well. Um, so just a couple more questions here. One of my big things that, that I've been more and more intrigued with recently is obviously kids in, nowadays that are entering college, they have so much knowledge in, of their swing and Twitter mm -hmm. and social media. And there, there is a lot of good out there, right? It's good information and, and being able to learn something. But how do you balance getting kids to not overhaul at every given struggle of like, you know, well, I saw this and this guy teaches this and this guy teaches teaches this and this guy teaches this and you're like whoa 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 like yeah you got to be ready to hit 92 like yeah, <laughs> we yeah. gotta we gotta be ready to compete in the box and there's a difference between being able to hit flippies and bp exactly with this perfect yeah, yeah. instagram flippies, pretty yeah. swing 100%. um but then translating it into the game when we actually have to compete at a high level how do you balance that in, in today's era it's the toughest one right because everyone wants to see what on twitter is working when again when Someone's throwing them flips or someone's throwing them BP. Yeah, man, like, yeah, your swing looks really good right there. Right. I tell our guys all the time, and, and it's funny because I told our guys this. I, this will be something that will probably forever stick with me. I'm not, the hit, I'm not a hitting guru. I don't know this perfect swing. I don't know any of that. I do know, though, I had an ugly swing. You go ask my college coaches. <laughs> my, my swing was ugly. But if you're on time and you yeah. swing at strikes, you got a chance to hit the ball in the barrel. And you can go to this guy and have the perfect swing. And if you're late and you swing yourself in the dirt or over your head, I don't care what your swing looks like. You're right. not going to hit the ball in the barrel. So, like, again, we, we always preach to our guys. It's like, I'm not really worried about what your swing looks like. And now, again, well, so I'm not worried about what your swing looks like. We're going to start on the ground level of, again, we, through Yakker Tech, we could do a lot of this stuff. And by point of contact, where are you hitting the baseball, right? You're hot cold zone, your swing decisions, your your swing percentage out of the strike zone, all that stuff. Through Agatech, like, are you swinging at strikes and were you on time before we even look at this video of your swing? Because I, I, I don't want to look at this video because, again, the guys will too. They'll be like, ah, like I, I'm feeling like I'm feeling like I'm pulling off or right. I'm feeling like I'm doing this. I'm like, man, dude, you, you, were, you, were, so you were so early you you could only put your swing was over. You right. know what I mean? Before the ball even got you were so earlier, man, that, that ball was in the dirt and you swung at it, man. Don't don't worry about feeling like you're pulling off. You you swung at a bad pitch and you weren't on time. Let's start there. And then it's funny because um last year, um, so a teammate of mine that I played with four years, Zach Remillard, um, was living in Charlotte because he was two years in a row with the triple A uh, Charlotte Knights right. with the White Sox and Right before spring training last year, he came down and, and talked to the team, and then I got got to talk to the hitters, and then he got to swing and just kind of get himself ready for it too. But the best thing, the guys were asking him questions. It's like he was he is my buddy, but like I didn't be like, oh, you need to tell the guys this. And he said that in AAA, like he used to be um, every time he had a bad game, he went and watched the video and he wanted to change his hands, he wanted right. to change his bat tilt, he wanted to change this, he wanted to change that. And he said that those hitting mechanics left him lonely and hitting 200. And then he didn't find out until he started worrying about, was I on time or was I swinging at the pitches that I should in my zone? Then the mechanics didn't matter. And it's, it's funny because, again, I tell the guys that all the time. Mm -hmm. 
But hearing it from a dude who's oh, almost on the yeah, big leagues, for yeah, they're like, oh, perfect, <laughs> I got it. yeah, I got it now. It's like, I because they they're tired of hearing me say it. right. it's like again a, a dude that they want to be a guy that's, I mean, he did make his big league debut this year. It's like, man, a guy that's knocking on the door to a big leagues, like when he says it, it, it clicks. Where it's like, well, yeah, they have been saying this thing for two years. You guys. <laughs> what the hell, you know what I mean? But I mean, that's kind of the the thing where I tell our guys is like. I, I like seeing, man, I like watching some of the stuff on Twitter and some of the swings things. Is I'll take little things from each person. But, again, I'm more worried about were you on time and did you swing at a strike before we worry about what your swing looked like and do all the hitting mechanics things. I feel like I could be wrong here, but I feel like so many – adjustments or, or getting out of slumps could just be answered by those two questions. Like, I, was I, it a pitch I could get to and was I on time? I truly believe it. I, I really do. And I honestly think, I think the most important is the on time. Right. Because, like, I, I feel like if you're on time and you got good enough hand-to-eye coordination or bat-to-ball skills, again, like what I did is, like, I mean, personally for me, I felt like I did. If I was on time, again, I was just trying to hit a ground ball, backside ground ball anyway. I, it didn't need to be a strike for me, but I knew my strengths. So it's like, yeah, I think you answer a lot of those questions in the slumps with those two yeah. things. And, and and for me, even in Pro Bowl, the short stint I was because they didn't want backside ground balls anymore. <laughs> they want the ball that goes over the fence. But, like, start instead of watching video of your swing, start watching video of pitcher and you – and all right, when did you start your load and when did he release the baseball? That's going to tell you timing because right. I noticed it was like, oh man, yeah, that's why I swung and missed. Mm -hmm. I didn't start loading until the ball was halfway to the plate. I had no chance to right. hit that ball. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, start looking at those things. Those answer a lot more of the questions than the swing mechanics do, in my opinion, also. Definitely. You got any questions for Coach Marks before we let him go? Yeah, just a, just a quick fun one. I'm sure Trevor's got a couple <laughs> more serious ones. Who, who in, in college, who was the best player you felt like you played against? Oh man, dude, that's a tough question. Pitcher or position player? Give me, yeah, give me pitcher. Who's the best arm you faced in? Well, my freshman year, this was tough for me because my fr oh, man, I got a couple. <laughs> but my freshman year, um, my freshman year, we were the three seed in the Virginia Tech regional, and we got matched up with Oklahoma, who was a two seed. And I, I, I played a little bit, didn't play much. I get some defensive replacements off the bench. We faced Jonathan Gray, yeah, who was. Throwing a hundred at the end of the game, still, and Coach Gilmore looked at me, and we were losing. He's like, "Marcy, get a bat. You're hitting." As the as he was on the mound getting ready to warm up for the bottom of the ninth, and then he's like, "You're hitting leadoff." I was like, "Oh, great!" <laughs> so he throws two fastballs that I don't even see, and I'm like, "All right, well, I'm not striking out looking, so like, I'm not doing that." I'm here, he cutting five five. Here comes another heater. And I swing out of hand, and he throws a changeup. And I, <laughs> and I is just like, at least I didn't strike out swinging. But it was probably one of the most embarrassing ABs. And, yeah. like, I just overmatched. I was like, uh-oh, overmatched <laughs> at bats ever. Um, Jonathan Gray is a tough – he was probably one of them good ones. Alex Lang's breaking ball was the best breaking yeah. ball I've ever yeah. seen. Um, Dane Dunning was pretty good. Yeah, yeah there were some <laughs> subs. I, I actually didn't see – when we faced – Florida, A.J. Puck only threw one guy. Mm -hmm. But then I ended up facing him in instructs. And left on left, it's impo it was yeah, impossible. Yeah, it was another one. It was three pitches. Yeah, Put your helmet back in the helmet <laughs> rack and just yeah, be like, wait, yeah. I think I'm going to get released soon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This ain't probably wasn't for me. Yeah, this ain't for me. Yeah, uh-oh. That was quick. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Yeah. 
Uh, I have it written down here. The guys that played for that Florida team, I don't know if you remember this, but Pete Alonso, oh, yeah. Jonathan India, Dane Dunning, A.J. Puck, and Kirby Sneed all played in the game that you guys played against mm-hmm. them. And then Kevin Ginkle threw in game two for Arizona. He was obviously pitching out of the pen for the D-backs this year. Also some names, Bobby Dahlbeck and J.J. Bobby Machado. Dahlbeck, I forgot. But Pretty, yeah. I always forget about Bobby because he was, in my mind, he was like the, the hitter was a stud. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then, like, he just started game three and yeah. was throwing 94. Yeah. Like, I saw that. I was, like, I was looking like, at the box score. I was like, what? Yeah. I know. And honestly, <laughs> like, our group text, we were texting a little bit. I honestly forgot about Ginkle in game two. Like, mm-hmm. some, because you just think, and I didn't even know he was, like, kind of in the he, league. He's like nasty. That. And he's and disgusting. He's nasty. We were watching yeah. him, and then I, like, go back, and I was, like, look through. I was, like, I think I had two hits that game. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. probably had him off Ginkle. Yeah. I'm, like, I should be in the league. Yeah. Start doing that with your guys. But, like, I forgot about Dahlbeck was a stud. I mean, that, that t- J.J. Medijevic. Yeah. That Florida team, though, was. That's loaded. Yeah, loaded. the Florida team was loaded. I mean, even that guys that probably. I mean, Buddy Reed was a first-rounder, yes. I think, that year, yep. but never really made it. The catcher, J.J. Schwartz, was oh, yeah. a dude who was, like, breaking all the home run records yeah. his freshman yeah. year. Like, them dudes. That team was yeah. insane. And, I mean, it's 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 funny to think that that team obviously had so many first-rounders and big leaguers, and then LSU, too. The next year, that was the National Championship Series. Right. Like we, yeah. And there was a lot of similar players on those yeah. teams, so to think that we beat both of them, you're like, Maybe yeah. we we might we had to be all right. Was yeah. was Brady Singer on that team too? Brady Singer was. Yeah, Brady was, Singer he just didn't was. Throw. Uh, no, he didn't throw because I think he was young. Fiedo was the Saturday guy right. maybe, and I think Brady Singer was the Sunday guy. It was disgusting. Yeah, and Logan Shore was the first rounder, yeah. and he mm-hmm. or Logan Shore was the Friday guy, and he was he was more of the pitcher man. Yeah. He had yeah. like five pitches for a strike. Yeah, but I mean, but again, and now in today's world, in like ninety two, that's not like crazy yeah. velo. And for Florida, that wasn't crazy, Vila, but like he was a nasty pitcher. Mm-hmm. It was like five pitches yeah. for a strike. Well, yeah. and you mentioned that LSU team. They had Alex Lang, who's obviously right. pitching in the bullpen mm-hmm. for the Tigers, and Jake Fraley was starting in left field. We, Dan and I played against Jake in high school. Did you? Okay, yeah. yeah. He took care of business. He's stud. a stud. Yeah. stud. He's a stud. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, that team was stacked too. Yeah, I, that was one memory too. I, I told guys all the time about like the break mold Alex Lang because again, a piece we tell for me to relevate. Or to kind of relate to our guys, like guys that are top of the leadoff, like leadoff hitters and stuff. Like I can relate, and especially mentality-wise, it's like, man, dude, when I hit first, even if I got out, I used to like, obviously the two hitters up, like go to the three hitter or the four hitter, I'm like, this guy stinks. Yeah. This guy stinks, <laughs> so you're going to crush him. Like he, he's lucky he got me out. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to build confidence right. in these guys too. Tell them, like, yeah, I made it fast, wise, a little bit of move, this and that. Like you're going to crush this dude, though. You, you're fine. And there was one AB where I came in after the first of bat. I grounded out to the pitcher off Alex Lang. And I, first of all, and it's a funny story that too is I was like all week I was like he's gonna throw me a fastball, and I was telling all my boys I'm like and I'm gonna smoke it up the middle for a single. <laughs> like that was me smoking it. I was like I'm gonna hit it right back at his feet for a single. Like that was me smoking it. And that place got so wild before the first pitch of the yeah. game that I forgot how to swing and took 94 right down the middle. I was like, I knew it was coming. I've been saying it all I week. I knew it was coming. I missed it. I, like, froze. I forgot how to swing. The place was so loud. I forgot how to swing. And I was like, I've been telling everyone. I look like such an idiot. I took it. And But then he throws me a two-strike banger. I I took it because I was so good. I, I couldn't even swing. I didn't even know what it was. I just got lucky it was a ball. Yeah. And ground out the next pitch and I look over to CO in third and I was like that was the best breaking one I've ever saw in my life like it's like the first time I ever like gave someone props I was like I don't I hit the fastball that was the best breaking ball I, I don't even know what that was like 
It was like 86. I, I swear it started in my head and it went to my shoelaces. I don't know. We're in trouble if he's laying that first strike. We just had to take it. We had to take it. It was it was hilarious. See, oh, they always say it to her. Like, you always said everyone sucked except Alex Lane's breaking balls. Because it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're we're definitely excited to to be here, and we, we appreciate this conversation. I know our listeners are going to appreciate all the information that, that you're able to give and, and so much hitting wisdom. And, you know, I think when we do the facility tour, we're going to get over there to the board that you've mentioned a couple times, yeah. and we're going to have you talk through that a little bit so uh, we can get some of that for video as well. But we appreciate you sitting down with us, and, and I know it was a, a fun episode, and hopefully this will be the first of many times we're able to get out here and Amen. sit down and talk to you. Amen. We'd love to do it again. I appreciate you guys, man, coming out, um, giving us at Garden Web the platform. I think what you guys are doing is great for college baseball, so we appreciate your time, too. Thank you, guys, man. Appreciate Thank it, you. Coach Mark. Yep. Funny. A couple funny stories in there. In series. Yeah, it's good. Thanks, Brady.